If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Thank you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Good to be here. I want to say to the children first, thank you for letting us invade your classroom. This is normally their classroom, and, and I teach in here quite a bit with you guys, and, and I just want to let you know, kids, you have my permission for once to ignore me. So this is the only time I teach in here that you can, but if you want to, what I'd love it if you would do, if you will color a picture of what we're talking about today. You can show it to me at the end. I would love to see what you drew uh, in regards to what we're teaching about. And if you're a father uh, in the room in this unexpected kids family day, I just want to wish you happy Father's Day. And to those of you who have been fathers in the faith, uh, a special uh, Father's Day to you. I know that for me personally, without fathers in my faith, I would not um, be pursuing Christ in the way I am. So thank you very much. One of those fathers in the faith is a man that his name was Doug. And Doug was a youth pastor at a time that I was a high schooler. But it was very unlikely that Doug's and my path would ever cross for several reasons. First of all, I, my, I went to the reorganized church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My father was an elder there. And so I was very involved in another denomination, another religion. On top of that, making it harder for our paths to cross, I was an outcast at my school. Uh, I was a pretty nerdy guy to help you grasp where I was on the chain of the, on the social chain of popularity. Check out this picture. Yep. Not exactly the person that gets pursued by many and not having the confidence to go say, hey, let's see what other religions are about and check out youth groups. Make it unlikely. Doug, you can put that picture down before people snap a picture of it. Thanks. Uh, and then to make things even harder, um, uh, I was really was an outcast at my school. I didn't fit in very well. Most people didn't even know my name. And those who did know my name knew me because I was the magic man. And as the kids know in here, I, I mean, I used to do magic. That was my one passion I had in life. And I don't have any for you today, kids. But normally when I'm back with them, I'm doing magic tricks with them. And so I had this one passion where I love to do magic. So unless... Doug, the youth pastor, needed an extremely nerdy Mormon magician to come perform at his youth event. I'm pretty sure we were very unlikely to meet. But luckily for me, I had a friend that loved magic as much as I did, and we would practice often together. We would do a lot of shows together. And it took me a while. I'm a little slow. Uh, but after a few years, I realized I never see him on Wednesday nights, and I found out it was because my friend Luke was going to a youth group. And so I went to check out the youth group uh, because I knew my friend and I had a relationship with him. I thought, I'll go, I'll hang out. And I went to the youth group and Doug, the youth pastor, was there. And Doug looked and he didn't see a nerdy guy. He didn't see a Mormon guy. He didn't see a magician guy. Doug chose to look and see a guy that God loved. And Doug literally started praying for me, listening to me, 
hanging out with me. He started serving me. And one of the beautiful things is that I was able to ask him any question about Christianity I wanted. And instead of judging me, he would tell me if he knew the answer, he'd tell me if he didn't, I'm not sure. But he constantly communicated God's truth of his love for me, God's plan for me. And along with Doug and other people with him in my life, eventually, because of that moment where a friend brought me to youth, it ended up changing my life. And it does make me think, what kind of impact could we have if we really begin to be like the Dugs and the Lukes in this world? If we begin to grab hold of our series, Bless, which we're going through this morning. That's why we've been going through this Bless, because we want to reach people. And, and Bless, if you haven't been here with us in the past weeks, it's an acronym we're going through. And I know Brian's not even big on acronyms. So when we're doing one, there's a reason behind it. If we can grab hold of this, the B, if you've been here with us, stands for begin with prayer. We want to connect with God. God, what are you doing today? How can I partner with you? And we wake up and we start our day with God and we actually begin praying for people. And I want to see this person. God, what are you doing here? How can you use me? We begin to listen to people. We slow down and we take time. That's the trick. As you notice, I'm a fast talker. Sorry about that. You can listen to the recording later at normal speed. But, but we have to slow down and listen to people. Take time out of our day. We want to eat with people. It means inviting them over to our house for meals, doing double dates night with them, uh, getting involved in their life, maybe going to an event they're in and encouraging them on. And then the, the last S that we heard about last week is serving them. Maybe we are baking them cookies at the holiday Maybe uh, you're mowing the lawn for them or getting packages for them while they're out of the town. Maybe you buy a book or a movie or something to give to somebody because you want to tell them, hey, I've been thinking about you while we're out. And we're to our final S, which is story. The final S and serve is story. And the truth is, there's probably been a Doug in your life. There's probably been a Luke in your life. If you are a Christian here today, somebody that has been able to tell you about Jesus. And we want to be able to be that to the world. What if you could be like a Luke that because of your friendship with an outsider or the marginalized, because of that, they were end up to coming to something you're part of. What if because of somebody like Doug, a life that's so on fire for God, you can't help but watch people look at you, watch, and you get to share the story of what God is doing in your life. And I, I think that a lot of us would say, yeah, we want to be telling people about Jesus. I look around and there's some people here at Jubilee that are incredible at it. I look at them, I'm encouraged by them. I see the way they interact with their neighbors. And I begin to think, man, why don't I just instinctively do that more? Why don't we do that more? And I think if we look back to the verse that we heard read to us at the beginning, there are some clues from history back then and modern day that are very similar on what keep us from uh, speaking out to people and sharing our story. So let's relook at that verse. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For her disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Last week, if you were here, the disciples were concerned about food. This week, again, they're going off to get food. I don't think if the TV show Survivor came, the disciples were on it, they'd get voted off because all they think about is food. Uh, but you find them going off to get food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. See, culture, culture back then would have dictated that a Jewish man typically didn't speak to women in public outside his immediate family. 
And especially if that person was a Samaritan. There was even a saying back then that talked about maybe you shouldn't even talk to your wife in public. And part of that reason was people wanted to try to not allow gossip to happen, to be above reproach. And so there was this thing with society that said, hey, it's probably not appropriate. But you see, Jesus took time and he broke through the cultural norms of what isn't appropriate and began to talk with this woman. I think one reason we don't share God as we should is because our culture tells us, man, it's not something we should be doing. It's not appropriate. First, um, some of you guys might know some of these expressions. Uh, let's go through a couple of them. One of them is two things we never, ever, ever talk about. And I'm not talking about asking a woman if she's pregnant. Don't do that one either. It has nothing to do with the teaching. That's a good rule. But we know that we should never discuss politics or how do we all know that? We're not supposed to talk about religion. There's something that is ingrained in our culture. Says, Man, don't talk about these things. To make it go even beyond that, um, some of you might be able to finish this, and I would even probably agree with this one a lot of ways, but we might know this one. Our actions speak louder than our... You know, we're trained, man. It's your actions that matter. And if you're from the Midwest, people on the East Coast would say, forget about it. Because if you're from the Midwest, we take pride on our Midwest work ethic. I mean, at the end of the day, if we have worked hard, we have done our job as a Midwesterner, right? We pulled it off. And then on top of that, especially if you're newer to Missouri, you may not realize this, but if you've grown up here, and what's amazing, this isn't even our official state tagline, but on our license plate, we want to declare what type of state we are. You guys may know it. We are the, we're the show me state. So when a visitor comes into our state, we're saying, we don't care what you have to say. You better have some action. You better show me. We are a people that our culture says, man, your actions speak louder than your words. It probably shouldn't talk too much. And Jesus breaks the norms of the culture. And he not only demonstrates with his life, his actions are solid. You can look at him and see exactly what you should be doing. But he preaches and speaks as often as he can to tell people about Jesus. And here's what's amazing. Jesus does the same thing when he asks people all around him. You go and do the same and speak. I had, it was really hard for me to narrow down because there were over 30 sections where Jesus is telling people, go talk about it, go talk about it, go preach, go do this. But here's a couple of them. I'm going to go through really quick. Acts 10, 42, and he commanded us to preach to people. Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Romans 10, faith comes from hearing. Matthew 10, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Now get this, for it's not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Now, some of you guys, if you're like me, I'm a critic at movies. It's kind of hard for me to get into. I always see the plots and my wife is like, don't tell me, don't tell me. And I, right? So some of you guys may be thinking, well, that's probably what he said to his disciples and to whatever. But in this woman of the well story, you're going to find out more. But here's a guy that he encounters that isn't uh, a disciple. He had demons in him. Jesus cast him out. And look at what he says to this guy. He says he was getting into the boat. This is Jesus getting in the boat. And the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. Sounds a little bit like bless in people's lives. Go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he's had mercy on you. The man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. 
And just to make it really home that it wasn't just select individuals, check this out. Jesus sends out 72 people. After this, the Lord appointed 72 Others he sent ahead of them, two by two in the town. And he actually gave them, hey, say this when you're going there and gave them words to say and things to do. You see, Jesus was concerned. He does want us to live for him. We're supposed to be a light that shines. But beyond that, Jesus also wants to proclaim the good news of a heavenly father that loves us. By the way, one little side note, and just to cut down on time, specifically the kids. Man, I love this guy, St. Tom, the, the quote that says, uh, preach the gospel and when necessary use... Yeah, you guys know that one too. If you've grown up in Christian culture at all, that's a common one that we'll hear. Preach the gospel when necessary. Use words reemphasizing that thing of like, oh man, like we want to live for God, but I don't know about talking about it. What's interesting is you can grab me afterwards if you want to hear St. Francis, man, he gave his whole life to preaching and he preached all over. He was passionate. We have our living nativity because of the way that he preached. He was the guy who came up with living nativity scenes. He, he was just phenomenal speaker. And that quote was never actually said by him. That quote is somebody trying to summarize his teaching. He was such a good speaker that people wanting to preach would actually try to learn from him. And he was telling, trying to tell them, Preaching is awesome. Make sure your life lives with it. The actual quote by him is, it's no use walking. And remember, the context is he's talking to people who will be preaching. It's no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. And we want to be a people that are preaching. A guy named Daniel M., he goes to the church that came up with this blessed slogan that's in Chicago. When talking about this quote, he said this, have you ever considered the implications of that quote? What would happen if you were to live your life for Christ, cultivating your relationship with him, but you never actually told anyone about it? Who would get the glory? Who would get the recognition? Wouldn't people just begin to think you're some super awesome person because everything seems to be going okay? And even when things are not going okay, you still seem to be doing well. Wouldn't people begin to give all the glory uh, to you because you have all your things together and you never talk about what Jesus is doing in your life. Or maybe people would think you're incredibly robust, you're incredibly tenacious because when your loved one passed away, you're able to pick yourself up, dust off your shoulders and move on with life. If all you did with your life for Christ, if all you did was live your life for Christ but never shared it with anyone, who does the glory go to? See, a life that's on display must accompany to tell people about Jesus. I think that beyond our culture, one thing I personally struggle with, you may too, is that um, I begin to see my own shortcomings in life. I'm, one of the things I get concerned about is I'm accidentally going to be that guy that offends someone when I'm trying to tell them about Jesus. And maybe you get concerned you're going to be put in that category with like the people who are like just screaming mean at people or, or doing things like this. A couple of weeks ago, I, I saw a news article. I read a news article and it was about people. It was waiters and waitresses who took pictures of customers and they put in what customers had done. And it wasn't written towards Christians. It was just these people should never, ever be allowed in a restaurant again. Two of them stood out to me. This was number nine on the list. I give God 10%. Why would you get 18? And they write zero for their tip. What's really scary about this one is if you look, it's scribbled pastor so-and-so. So great evangelism technique by this pastor. I won't tip them. Maybe they'll come to my church. Now, 
The next one that's in this news article, I thought, oh, this is a good one. They messed up. They put a good one in. Check this one out. It looks like one plate of breakfast. You can see the leftover eggs and cheese there, and it's a $10 bill. And I'm like, this is a great way to share the gospel, man. Leave a $10 bill on probably what was less than a $10 meal. But if you look at the next picture the waiter or waitress took, that bill looks a little, that doesn't look quite right. And when you turn it over on the back, next picture. Some things are better than money, John 3, 16. I look at that and my heart breaks and I think, man, what if the person I'm talking to, this is the type of person they've encountered. Maybe this person is legitimately trying to do things for God and in the way they don't realize what they're doing. And by the way, I do think there's a, you could switch that picture, but I do think there's a spot how you can use that technique. Tip your waiter or waitress a hundred dollar bill. And then when they look at it, like, oh my goodness. And then they'll see that one and go, hey, as cool as this money is, guess what? There's something more worthy than money. So uh, there are ways we could communicate and use things. But, but man, I really get concerned. I'm going to be put, if I step out and tell my coworker, my neighbor, whatever, it, it, these people I'm investing in, I'm, I'm going to come off like, like, like one of them and they're going to discount me. But here's the cool thing. If we will be a people that will legitimately put blessed into practice. If we really will pray, connect with God, God lead me today, pray for our neighbors, pray for those people. It will change how we interact with them as we begin to listen to them. Because it's not about us talking to them. We wanna take the time to listen. As we're eating and sharing life with them, change happens. And so as you begin to do these things, serving them, by the time you get to telling your story, you're nowhere near in the box with the people screaming. We must be a people that are living for God. We also wanna be a people that are blessing and serving others so that God allows our story to come forth. You don't have to be good at preaching. You just have to be willing to tell people your story. One other way that I become concerned is, and I don't know how many of you will feel this way, but I begin to legitimately think, I mean, I am not qualified to do this. I don't know enough Bible. I've never been to like any type of theology university or anything like that. I'm not trained. And maybe you're in the same boat and you think, man, they're going to ask me a question. I'm going to get stumped. Or maybe we think, man, the pastors, the Bryans, the Dillons, the elders, the different people in our church, those get, I mean, they, they're probably good at it, but not me. Or worse yet, I find this when I look at my own sin my own shortcomings. And I think, man, it's not me. I'm a wreck. But I want to look a little closer at this story of the woman at the well. And as we do, I want to look at what her qualifications are. So let's take a look at this and keep this in mind. At this point, when Jesus is meeting with the woman at the well, it says that he encountered her because he was going from town to town. So he was in between two towns and the only reason he stopped at the well is it says Jesus got physically tired and he had to stop. So he stopped to rest and as part of their conversation while he was there to rest, look at what happens. Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. So what you have said is true. Let's look at this woman's qualifications to share Jesus. She's been through five different marriages. And in that time, men could divorce women very easily. So it could be that. It could be death. We don't know what has caused this. Whatever reason, she's had relationship heartache, has not been able to get relationship correctly. And now, for whatever reason, she's living with the guy as if they're married to him. 
It could be that this guy, like uh, in that age, you could, you could literally, that's who you have to marry. So there's all kinds of reasons for this to be happening. But here she is. She's in this situation where relationally, it's a wreck for her. And she hasn't been to Jesus University, meaning she's not one of the disciples that has been walking around learning. This is how you preach. This is how you pray. This is how you do these things, right? And so, um, so in this situation, her qualifications may not seem like she is the most equipped, but read this. Just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. And by the way, on that, Jesus, if you look at his life, he loved women. He had women in his inner circle ministering with women. So the marveling again was from the cultural phenomenon of a Jew talking to a Samaritan. But they marveled and no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Now get this, listen to this. Here's this woman that we might discount. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and are coming to him. She might not have the qualifications we think, but all she had to do was tell people of encounter with Jesus. That's the thing of your story. It's powerful. We can disqualify ourselves. We can see our shortcomings. But the truth is, if you have encountered Jesus, you have a story to share. And it's a compelling story. It is a God story, as somebody smarter than me would say. And check out the results of her uh, going out. Now, this is a few verses later. She goes out and tells people and brings it back. This is powerful. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because why? Because of the woman's testimony. There is something powerful about saying, man, I don't have everything figured out, but God has changed my life and here's how. There is power in that testimony. Uh, Jesus the, the disciples at this point, by the way, they are on Jesus University. They are being trained by him. And when she goes off into town, something else happens in this, in this passage. She's, she's off in town speaking. By the way, this is dangerous. She, there's no clock in here. We switch rooms. Uh, no, she, no we'll, we'll wrap up here. But she, he, he goes off into, uh, he goes off, that she goes off, sorry, to tell people about Jesus. And as she goes off to tell people, Jesus sees a training moment with his disciples. And Jesus looks at him and he stops and he says this. We'll take a look at this, John chapter four. Meanwhile, while the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat, because he said to them, now just for clarity, the reason they're telling him to eat, remember they went off to get food. It's really not they were obsessed with food. He was weak at this point. They had been traveling. So they were thinking food is gonna give him energy, right? So, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish this work. Now think about this. Jesus is here because he needs rest. They bring him food and he's like, I don't need it now. I am re-energized. Why is he re-energized? And I'll tell you the reason why. It's because he says, I'm doing my father's will. When we share our story, when we see life changing people, there is an energy that will come into your life. There is an excitement that comes. I don't know how many of you have had the benefit of leading somebody to God, but, and seeing them literally transform from the weight and the struggles into life and relationship with God. But I'm telling you, it will bring excitement to your life. Unbelievable. The first time I was ever part of it was with a guy in a Jewish community center. And we went into a closet and we prayed with him there in it forever. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want that all the time. This was so amazing. And Jesus is telling his disciples, man, as we do our father's will, there is an energy source, the Holy Spirit partnering with us that you can't even comprehend. It goes beyond what food can give you. 
And then there's more to Jesus' teaching. He says this, and I'll just summarize. You can show up the scripture. But in this, Jesus basically tells them, there are four months and then comes a harvest. And if you drop down in the verse, listen to this. There is one who reaps and receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. And so what he's telling the disciples is the woman has walked away. She's going to tell people and she's about to bring back people, a a literal harvest of people coming to know God, if you will. And he tells them, man, there's two types of people in the world. There's going to be people that are going to be sowing seed, just like this woman is. They're going to go out and they're going to be telling their story, sowing seed. And there's going to be people who get to actually bring in the harvest, who get to see people born again, brought into new life, really new relationship with God. And here's the key to this. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples next. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered their rest. So what he's saying is you future church leaders who are going to start the church and run the church, I am sending you out to lead people to God, but it's people that you didn't plant the seed in. Who planted the seed? People like the Good Samaritan, the man with the demon cast out, people like you and me, it's the church working together. And the thing is, when the church, when we're all sharing our story, we get to celebrate together. He says, man, the person who's sowing, you may bring somebody to church or you may invite someone, another couple with you to go with you or another person with you to go talk to a friend of yours in the neighborhood. And they may be the one that leads them to Christ. You're planting the seed, they're leading them. And as a church, we begin to get excited because as we bless the world, we see real change happens. I'm going to close out by just giving us some practicals on how we can share our story. And I also want to tell you about a man named Ray. Ray passed away within the past couple of weeks. And Ray's story, like yours and mine, hopefully if if you know God, it's a God story, Ray's was. Tell you a little bit about Ray. He actually went to high school right here in St. Louis, Melville High School. But he didn't graduate high school. He went back in, I believe, the 70s. Instead, at 17 years old, he eloped with a 15-year-old girl, and they went off to to share life here in St. Louis. And Ray never, ever went to college. At the age of 30, he and his wife did get their GED, which was pretty awesome. He never had a degree in theology ever. For a living, Ray drove a little Debbie snack truck and a hostess snack truck, and he delivered Twinkies, things like that. I wish if he was here today, man, we could have this really cool church thing where we hand out Twinkies and stuff, man. But, but when he would pull up, my wife told me, man, he'd pull up as a kid. I would get excited like Twinkie time. Yeah, right? But so, so this is what he did for a living. Man, he just drove a truck around, not much education. And Ray would often struggle if you knew Ray. He would tell people, I don't do much for God with my life. I'm not doing much. But Ray changed the world and is changing the world today. You see, Ray was living out blessed before he even knew what blessed was. He was praying with people, listening to people, eating with people, serving people, and sharing his story. He had a guy named Don the Barber. He was a barber that cut hair. And Ray went in to see Don the Barber. And while he was in with him, he had been praying for him, listening to him. He found out that Don the Barber liked to go fishing. So Ray said, hey, you want to go fishing with me? Ray said, sure. Or Don said, sure. And he went, Don the barber goes with Ray, the hostess guy. They go fishing. And then Ray says to Don, he says, hey, after fishing, he says, hey, did your family, you guys want to go to IHOP sometime together? And I remember uh, Don's son. And by the way, Don 
would admit, man, I was a super hard guy at that time. And people around him in his life would go, yeah, he was a hard, hard man. And Don, the barber and his family, his, his son, Don's son tells me, man, that was the first time I'd ever been to an IHOP was going with this Ray guy. We just went to this IHOP. And then Ray invited him into the trailer where he lived to come into his home and say, hey man, come on into my house. And while there, his son tells me, I remember him talking to my dad and telling him about God, what God was doing in his life. And eventually, Don the barber went to Ray's church, brought the whole family. And after a few months of going, they heard a message. They were pricked to their hearts and literally they repented. Don, his wife, his multiple of his children that day were baptized that day and came into relationship with Jesus. And if we were to stop the story right there, man, Ray has had a pretty incredible life. Here feeling discounted, not educated, not the, but here he has led, God has used him to lead a whole family to Christ, just using bless, loving them, sharing with them. If everybody in this room, if we all, 200 people, whatever we got in here, man, if we were to lead a whole family, if God would use us to lead a whole family, how incredible would that be? But his story doesn't end there because guess what? To close out, Don ends up saying, God speaks to Don and he, God feels like God is telling him, sell your barbershop shop, buy a shampoo company and I want you to impact the whole world from the funds that come in. And he starts the shampoo company and the shampoo company, it goes through a lot of struggles. It seems like it's gonna go under, but opportunity begins coming. And Don ends up preaching to thousands upon thousands in India. He begins preaching all over the world doing things. And the company today, if you take a snapshot of it, it's worth tens upon tens of millions of dollars. And this is what they have been doing with that money, partnering with others. They own an orphanage in Guatemala where over 75 kids live and are cared for. They have a dentist office there, a counselor, a church, so that the success from that can go out to the community. They have churches that they partner with. They have 45 churches in another country where pastors needed help and didn't know what they were doing. And, then, and Don, with no theological training, comes in and just teaches them, this is how you love people. And every single month to this day with those 45 churches, they meet with the pastors, the wives, and they equip them to be able to do their job. They have a school for brand new pastors where they train in six years. They've had 166 people graduate who have gone through, and I'm not gonna tell you the stories, but some of the stories of things these pastors have done after going through, it will blow your mind. It is incredible. They have uh, in Loganoff, which is an island off Haiti. Haiti gets aid, Loganoff does not. They've gone in and they have dug 45, no, 52 wells so that the people can have clean water. And they feed 700 children a day because the children were eating rocks. Literally, they were eating rocks and dying. And they feed 700 kids a day. They have a church there that they support. There's all kinds of things they're doing. In India, last thing about them in India, there's a guy named Rajib. In 1995, God told him, hey, we need to support Rajib. They paid for him to get Christian schooling and training. Rajib in India now has over 50 churches. He has a ministry that goes into leper colonies in India. And what they do is they keep um, the kids, they teach them how to wash and how to take care of themselves so that they don't get leprosy because they want to end leprosy there. They planted three churches, this guy Rajib, just from the funding and from them partnering with them, he planted three churches in a part of the world where literally people are dying and being burned for being Christians. And he's telling them, love them. And those people are coming to Christ. You see, Ray, all he saw was, I don't have much. And by the way, Don, the guy that started this, not passed a high school education, never taken theology class. God's using them all over. We discount ourselves, but guys, here's my question to you. Who's the Don the barber in your life? 
Is it your next door neighbor? Is it the, your the person that checks you out at the grocery store? Man, we gotta be a people that are looking for opportunity because God wants to do something. And if we as a whole church will reach out. So to close, if you'll grab your red bulletin here, grab this red bulletin inside of this is something called my story. So if you can pull out my story, you have a pen. If this will help, you can jot down notes. If you're curious, how do I share my story like the woman at the well did? How do I share my story? A couple of thoughts for you. Number one, describe how you became a Christian. If you see that first line, ask yourself questions like this. What were you like before you were a Christian? What was your personality? Where were you going with your life? What were you doing with your life? And if you grew up in a Christian home, I just want to tell you, don't discount your story. I am hoping that my children, and if they have children, their children's children, it's a powerful story to say, I've grown up knowing God. You can still relate to people. Question number two, how, do you become, how did you become a Christian? Start writing down this week. Start writing down like, what was it that caused you to become a Christian? Where were you when you became a Christian? Who was involved in helping you become a Christian? If you think about it, the woman at the well tells her story. I encountered a man and this is what happened. It's powerful when you can share it, people. I encountered Jesus. This is how, this is what happens. It lets them know what happened in your life. And finally, how is your life different since becoming a Christian? What things have changed in you? What attitudes are different? And even as a Christian, sometimes we think life's going to be perfect. What hardships have you gone through as a Christian? What failures have you gone through? What is God teaching you through them? Or what has he taught you? We don't have to pretend like we're something or not. The fact is we need Jesus every day. You can communicate that with them. Yeah, your marriage is hard, man. We've been through that. And this is what God is showing me. Or, or let them know hard decisions. Yeah, yeah. They may ask something like, well, what about my dating? Yeah, I had to change my dating. It was, for me, honestly, it was one of the hardest decisions I make. But the blessings that came for pursuing God was so worth it. And some practical tips. Remember your story isn't about you. It's about God. It's about the church. It's about what God's showing you through the Bible. Don't ask people, can I share my story? Love them, bless them, be in their life, and just weave it into normal conversation. And then guys, be quick to listen. One thing to sharing your story is, listen, people are going to have different viewpoints and it's fine. Listen, relate to them. Think about what they've gone through. Put yourself in their shoes. First Peter 3.15 encourage us to do it with great respect and gentleness. And right before I pray with us, just the scripture talks about, remember those 72 people Jesus sent back? The Bible talks about when they came back, they looked at Jesus and they were amazed. They said demons were cast out and this happened and they were excited, exclamation points as they're talking to Jesus. Man, if we share our story, I guarantee you, God is going to do more than you can hope, think, or imagine. Let's overcome those things that keep us. Let's share the story of God, and he will be there with us. And if you're a guest today, uh, we're glad you're here. If you know Jesus, it's wonderful if you're a Christian. If you don't, we're excited you're here. Thank you for being here. And no matter what journey you're on with God, I know I talk to a lot of people that are already Christians. No matter what your journey is, where you're at, we really are excited you're here with us. I'd love to meet you. Say hi. I'd love to hear your story, what God's doing. I know Brian would too. I'd love to grab a meal with you. Um, we're excited you're here. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll begin to worship. We can stand up.